You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Welcome to another Three Mall Pod bonus edition. I am your host, Cole Mambeck, joined as always by former K State wide receiver Curry Sexton and partner at Wildcat NIL. Not as fun of a topic to talk about as Curry and I have had the opportunity to collaborate and talk about over the last few weeks as K State unfortunately fell in a heartbreaker in Columbia as Harrison Mevis for Missouri hits a 61-yard field goal, longest field goal in the history of the SEC to defeat K-State walk-off style 30 to 27. Curry, let's just let's just dive in. I mean, that was a really tough one to swallow. What are your initial takeaways from what you saw on Saturday? You were there in person, I was there as well. You were down about 10 rows below me. What did you see um what are your initial thoughts from that game? Yeah, unfortunate loss, obviously. I mean, expectations were going in that that wouldn't, you know, Vegas had the line set at three, three and a half, four, four and a half, somewhere in that range. But I think we all expected the Cats to come out of there with a seven point, 10 point, 14 point victory. I know I did. Um, so, so disappointing to say the least to walk out of there with a loss. Um, I think my biggest takeaways are, you know, our offensive line is, it continues to struggle. Um, you know, we struggled both in the run game and in the pass game. And, and because of that, uh, we saw Missouri often load the box and bring pressure and, and say, okay, we're going to make you a pick up our pick up our blitz and we're going to make your receivers try to get open and man coverage with with little time to throw. Um, and, and obviously that wasn't uh, we 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 struggled with, with picking up the blitz and, and, and it, time struggled with guys getting open. Um, and so, you know, had some had some drives that were just, you know, completely unsuccessful. And then I think on the defensive side, um, for the most part, our defense had a had a pretty solid game. I mean, we had a couple a couple looked like MAs missed assignments out there on the back end that led to the first Luther Burden touchdown and another big play um, in the second quarter. And then obviously, you know, the, the Luther Burden the long touchdown, the, the catch and run was you know that was just an unfortunate angle taken by our safety um, that that obviously allowed Luther to get to the sideline um, and get in the end zone. Uh, beyond that, I mean, we 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 played a pretty good defensive ball game. Um, obviously made some adjustments at halftime and came out in the second half and looked like we were going to take control of that thing. Um, but, but you know, giving up the big play killed us in, in our offense's inability to sustain drives and, and convert on third down um, ultimately killed us. What was maybe the biggest surprise that you saw Saturday that you didn't think you'd see going in, or, or maybe even maybe it's the biggest disappointment from what you saw on Saturday, and maybe it's what some of you just hit on. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm going to go back to you know to two things. I think our offensive line is, is has you know has has been um, has has underperformed relative to the expectation. Uh, obviously, you bring back the entire unit, and I know we're still missing Christian Duffy, which is a huge piece of right tackle. But you bring back the entire unit, and the expectation is that despite Deuce Vaughn heading to the NFL, this is still going to be a team that can ground and pound, can run for 200, 250 yards a game. And, and can really hold up in pass protection. And that just wasn't the case Saturday. Um, obviously, we you know, Treshawn uh, had a couple of chunk runs. But beyond that, it seemed like we were really fighting 
just to gain three, four yards on a carry. I mean, I, I think back to Treshawn's uh, big third and one conversion on on one of those fourth quarter drives, and and heck of a run by Treshawn. Uh, he got hit four yards deep in the backfield and, and managed just to get to get beyond the sticks and to keep that drive going. But the problem is he got hit four yards behind the you know four yards behind the line of scrimmage, which was a common occurrence on Saturday. I mean, our, our running backs were getting absolutely no room to run, and although they did fight for some good at, you know yards after contact, they were fighting for yards after contact after contact almost always at the line of scrimmage. And so I would say the biggest disappointment was just our inability to run the football and also, you know, at times inability to pick up the blitz. Yeah, I know the play you're talking about. I mean, Treshawn was hit deep in the backfield. I don't know how he made the guy miss. I mean, the backer shot right through. Uh K-State's tight end. I won't I won't name names there, but he he didn't even he didn't know the ball had been snapped. Uh tight end on the line and was looking down the other way down the line and was a whole second late before he fired off. And it, it just little things like that is like, you know, when I rewatched the game, I'm like, man, there were a lot of little things that really add up into the big picture. And let's just be frank. I mean, K-State's missing Christian Duffy. I, I'm not going to deny, I mean, not having your right tackle, a guy that started 35 career games isn't a big deal, but you still have four returning starters up front and a guy like Taylor Portier, who's a veteran too, albeit coming off two devastating knee injuries. So he hasn't played much over the last couple of years. It should not create that much dysfunction on the offensive line. Right, Curry? Not at all. I mean, with the experience we have up front, I mean, I, I, I think it would be fair to expect maybe a game or two for that, for that line to mesh together. And obviously we still have some moving parts, I think because of maybe some of the performance issues, but when you bring back, you know, four guys in particular who have started double-digit football games at Kansas State, and another guy who would have, who obviously would have, had he not suffered a couple of unfortunate injuries, you don't expect to see the issues that we're seeing now in Game Three, um, despite maybe some of the some of the change-ups in personnel. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you you know, having an experienced offensive line is typically a game changer at the collegiate football level, and and I I think it still can be, and hopefully will be this season, but. I think it's fair to be disappointed in, in, in maybe some of the performance that we've had through three games. Yeah, and I mean, you and I talked off air. I mean, the concern with me, we saw what Missouri was doing. They were running a lot of twists, stunts. They were running a lot of pressures, blitzes, trying to make K-State pick them up man-on-man. Man. And anytime they ran, you know, somewhat, it wasn't just head up going straight on and they, they ran a twist or a stunt. It seemed like there was some sort of communication issue and guys weren't getting passed off properly. And there was a lot of pressure on Will Howard, which is probably why Will Howard actually graded out. And I, I take pro football focuses ratings with a grain of salt, but he graded out actually as having his best game and his last nine games dating back to all of his games last year, too. They gave him an 80.9 overall grade and an 85.3 passing performance. And when you think about it, I mean, there, he made a couple mistakes, too, but I don't I don't even think some of those mistakes were his fault. You know, he. He was getting so much pressure with guys coming in free at him. He he dodged a couple sacks just by his ability to get rid of the football. So it was a uh, it was a frustrating game to say the least. Uh, Curry, let the, when we keep talking about the running game here, let's just stick to the offense for now before we talk more about the defense. Uh, you and I texted yesterday, I think it was, just kind of getting initial thoughts on the game and. Avery Johnson comes to the game. I think he had seven snaps. And when he came in, he was effective. Uh, he had four carries for 24 yards. 
what did you make of how they used him in the game? And would you have liked to have seen him more with Will Howard being hobbled a little bit late in that game? Absolutely. Um, I was, I was first off, I'll, I'll say I was, I was a little surprised at the fact that they brought him in when they did, you know, second and long on the road, big non-conference game, SEC opponent. I can't say that I expected to see him in that situation, but we've been hearing that they've been maybe implementing some, some specific game plans for him. Um, he was very effective. I mean, he, he pretty much exclusively ran the zone read and did so very, very well. He looked like, a again, like a veteran out there running the zone read in a high-octane, high-pressure game, um, which I think speaks volumes to his maturity. But, yeah, I mean, I was I certainly wanted to see more of him, especially given just the the, the game circumstances. I, obviously, we were struggling to run the football. Um, they were bringing a lot of pressure and in, in getting to us. And I think one way to, you know, one way to immobilize that um, is is to, you know, run zone read, um, you know, to put to put defensive guys who are otherwise being unblocked, put them on an island and, and you know, either hand it and get chunk yardage or, or let Avery pull it and get chunk yardage, which we did, which he did at six yards a pop. And so given the fact that we were struggling up front and also given the fact that Will uh, was clearly dinged up. Um, and immobile himself, I thought that there were there that, that we needed to keep going back to Avery um, in that zone read that zone read offense because it was clearly effective. I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his seven snaps all came on on second and long. If we got second and, and eight or beyond, here co- here comes Avery, and then no matter the, the the results of that second down play, Avery's off the field. And I know in a couple of those fourth quarter drives when Will can barely move. I'm thinking, you know, here we got this kid who's who's obviously make, you know, he's making plays. Why don't we stick with him on third down, pick up a new, you know, pick up a new set of downs, and then let's go back to our guy. Um, and so I certainly would have liked to see them use him in in in, in a fashion that, that wasn't the, the intended game plan because you could tell that their game plan with with Avery was second and ten. We're going to go to you. We're going to go to that zone. But and I'm trying to figure that out because like, what's the difference? So second and ten. But then you get third and two. It feels like that would be even easier for him, right? I mean, he's got more options. You you, you got to get two yards. Give him a run pass option. I, I guess I, I was very perplexed that they kept. There were what two or three instances, and you talked about like the Treshawn Ward where he makes guy miss and gets the first down. That was a third and one at the near the fifty with the game on the line. Like you should have him in there in my mind. And I would have had him in earlier. It was the drive before, I think, when there was a third and two at the 43. And they rolled they rolled Will to his left. And the only read was Ben Sennett. And, like, the other receivers were blocking. And, like, they, they draped all over that. There was nothing there. And I think about that, and I'm like, if you have Avery in the game at least there, like, Will couldn't run at that point. At least you have the threat of him taking off and running on a play like that. I, I guess... I, I don't know. I struggle with that. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on it, but I, I, I just really yeah. struggle with not having him on the field in, in those short yardage situations, even the third and goal at the three. Now, I know like they probably got in the right play, but they got the delay of game. Like I would have had him in there too. Absolutely. I, I, I think I, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, he showed us in a small sample size in the CMO game. And obviously we've all seen his high school highlights, but he's not a Daniel Sam's uh you know, he's not a, a guy who's who's clearly going to be run first for his career. I mean, this is a guy who is a very, very skilled passer. And so I every, you know, 
each time they ran him out there, as he got as he got out there, you know, an additional snap, I said he's got to throw it at some point, or they have to they have to put on the impression of a pass at some point, but they didn't. Um, and I think you know that that's a disservice to Avery and to our entire offensive line because he, you know, not only can he put pressure on a defense because of his his mobility, but he can put pressure on the defense because he's a heck of a passer. And so I thought we should have left him in in some of those short yardage situations. And, and made the defense feel the pressure of Avery Johnson and what he brings to the table um, and, and instead of just using him to help get us ahead of the sticks, which was obviously a huge problem in that game where we did see a lot of second and, second and long and obviously a lot of third and long. And Avery, it seemed like, was tasked with, hey, go in and get us get us in front of the sticks so we have a third manageable. Um, and and, and I, I do, like you, wish that we would have seen him in there and in and, and other situations as well. Well, I just want to ask you one more question on this topic, and then we'll throw it a break. Dy John and I on the uh, the post game show that released on Monday were asked we're talking about this, but you're a former player, and, and you probably have a better feel for this. What's the benefit of Will Howard staying on the field when they bring Avery out there, especially when Will is banged up and can't really move, so they don't even have to respect him. They respect him even less. Like, is there is there a perk to that? Is it like getting guys lined up, like having him in the huddle with the true freshman quarterback? What what do you see is maybe the benefit of having him out there? Would you rather him be off the field and have another receiver out there? Yeah, the 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 only thing that I can think of as 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 being a benefit is 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 Will's likely the guy calling the calling the play in the huddle. Um, so he you know and, and I. Knowing Avery and the type of kid that he is and the type of intelligence that he has, I have zero doubt that he would have any issue calling a play in a huddle. Um, and, and and obviously when, when they break the huddle and Will goes to, you know, almost to the to the you know to the opposing team's boundary or to our boundary, um, he's he's not gonna assist with any pre-snap, you know, pre-snap changes, pre-snap audibles. And so if if that's the only benefit that there is to it, uh, you know, I, then then really there is no then there is no benefit every time you saw will limp out to wide receiver um it almost it almost guaranteed that it was going to be a run play and so i i i I too was perplexed by that um and and wanted to see you know a a full set of receivers out there to really you know make the defense feel like it could be a pass and i don't know i mean this is total speculation on my part but so much of football and in football at the quarterback position is psychology um you know these guys, these guys have a microscope placed on them from the minute they start playing meaningful snaps to, you know, to the minute they stop. And so I don't know if there's some sort of psychology that goes into, well, if we put Avery in and take Will off the field completely, then now it's really become a two quarterback system. And, and we're really, we're really changing snaps. Whereas if we keep Will on the field, he's still the guy, he's still calling the play. It's not messing with the psyche of him or the rest of the offense. That would be my only other guess. But again, I think, you know, putting Avery out there and not making the defense feel like there is a passing threat is is obviously, you know, obviously going to hinder what we're what we're able to do. Well, and it hurt him a little bit on one play, I recall, near the K-State sideline. Avery had broken free on a run and Will couldn't make the block on his guy. And I don't blame Will for that. It's just it. It was a one-on-one, and Avery got tackled as a result of that. And if you have a guy out there that's an experienced blocker, maybe it, it changes that, and you could break a big play. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit more. I, we'll probably talk a little bit more about the offense, and then we'll get into the defense here as we come back from break. But first, got to tell you about our friends at Homefield Apparel. 
Once again, they've done two outstanding K-State drops this summer, one in July, one in August, the most recent being in mid-August. And uh, we've gotten our hands at uh, Three Mall on several of those home field items. Super comfortable, super sleek. I love it. I've got tons of home field stuff in my closet. In fact, half my closet is pretty much made of home field K-State gear now. They have over, over 100 colleges to choose from on their website. If you're into some of that, I know D.Y., on our show is uh, into some of these other schools and uh, getting some of their gear. I think he picked up a sweet old Miss hoodie just because he liked the look of it as well. So tons of gear out there, tons of awesome K-State stuff, 40 items. John Kurtz rocked a uh, lavender uh, three mall or e-mall bomber jacket uh, with the pennant Willie and uh, the game at Mizzou. Unfortunately, he didn't come out on top, but uh, he looked good at least. So get on over to homefieldapparel.com. You can score 15% off with the code 3MAW23 on your first order, homefieldapparel.com. Go check them out and uh, get your K-State gear for the next home game this Saturday against UCF. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Curry, I wanted to ask you too real quick. The wide receiver play against Missouri. Uh, Phil Brooks, solid. Jaden Jackson was solid. RJ was kind of quiet. Ben Sennett obviously had some some big plays, but Keegan Johnson, just one target. I think he played maybe 25, 28 snaps in the game. What what do you make of Keegan right now? Obviously, he's still... Uh, I, every time I kept looking over, like when we're on, when Casey was on defense, he was on the bike, on the sideline, trying to stay loose. Do you, does he look like he's not healthy to you still when you watch him play? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at no point when he was out there on Saturday did I feel like he was going to be, you know, a target or a primary on a route. Um, you know, he, he came in and played a couple snaps here and there, but but you know, it, it it just seemed like they were trying to keep him trying to keep him into it. Um, so yeah, I mean, clearly there's something going on there that is that is maybe a little bit more significant than we've been led to believe, which isn't necessarily what I expected after he he kind of flashed a little bit last weekend against Troy. Um, it, it, and that's that's a huge deal for us. I mean, obviously, as we've talked about, we have some solid we have some solid receivers. I mean, Phil and RJ and Jaden have all shown some some solid flashes so far this year, but none of those guys have you know game breaking speed um, or game or game breaking explosiveness. All three of those guys are are solid um, you know role type receivers, and so you know our offense is clearly missing a guy who's really a game changer, a guy who can kind of you know stretch the defense and can also go make plays one on one. And you can tell that that's hurting us, and that's hurting you know in, in, in the biggest way. Ben Sennett and Will Howard. Um, it, it's it's clear that in crunch time or in crunch situations that Will just in in cases just locks in on Ben. And and if if we don't have somebody to take the pressure off of Ben. We're going to see more of what we saw Saturday, where on a third and two, and he's the primary. Um, he gets absolutely blanketed and 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 gets you know gets the ball thrown to him two yards short of the sticks. It, it does feel a little. I just I came out of that so frustrated with the offense, but going in, I I think I picked K State to score twenty seven points. They scored twenty seven. I talked all week about how Missouri had a top twenty defense. They had the second most production returning in college football on the defensive side of the football off a unit. And all the analytics and metrics was a top 25 defense last year. They had two good corners. They had good safeties. Tyron Hopper's a terrific linebacker. They're one of the best run defenses in college football. 
And K-State scores 27 points. They average five and a half yards per play, which is the fourth highest over the last 16 games against that Missouri defense. But it just feels like they they left the way that it played out. It felt like they left too many opportunities out there that maybe I didn't expect to happen during the game. And that's that's what feels disappointing. Just changing gears to the defense, Curry. We, you talked about it earlier a little bit. A couple busted assignments. Luther Burden's going to beat you time to time. I I thought one of the biggest things in the game was the inability to cover some of, of Missouri's other guys that stepped up and made big plays. Because you know Burden's going to get his as much as you try to take him away. But Theo Weiss and Mookie Cooper came into that game and Marquise Johnson, a freshman wide receiver, they came into the game with five catches for 27 yards or two games. They had 11 catches for 193 yards and 17 and a half yards per, per catch against K-State. I mean, what did you make of the the secondary's performance uh, in this game? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a mixed bag for me. Um, obviously, you know, the first half was was not pretty. Um, you know, Luke, whether you want to chalk up the first long touchdown to Luther Burton as a missed assignment or just a, just a blown coverage uh, or, or a guy just getting flat out beat, um, that's not something we've been accustomed to seeing from this defensive group. Uh, so, so obviously that's a huge play in the game. Um, and there were other big plays in the first half where, where it clearly looked like there were some communication issues on the back end. Uh, but then, you know, there were other instances where guys, you know, guys were, were in the right spots, occasionally made plays. I mean, Jacob Parrish made a couple plays. Well, you know, uh, Will Lee made a couple plays. It, toward the end of the game in the fourth quarter, you know, Marquis Siegel, Siegel came up and made a big play in the run game. Um, and, and Kobe Savage, Savage had a great first half and also did some good things. So so it, it was a mixed bag, um, but too many fatal mistakes. I mean, you talk about, you know, the, Luther's first touchdown, um, the big play in the second quarter that was on, it looked like it was on a missed assignment. And then Luther's big touchdown there in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, that's that's a play. I, I, I was just watching it here a little bit ago. And VJ VJ Payne had had a, a clear angle and a clear beat on 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 Burden. And, and obviously, Luther Burden is one of the most explosive football players in college football. And we have not seen anybody close to, you know, with close to his capabilities in practice or in the game so far. And so it was clear that as VJ was was pursuing him, um, he was he was you know, trying to respect his speed, didn't want to get broke off. But instead of, you know, using the boundary to his benefit, he kind of slow played it and he gave Luther the boundary. Um, and obviously we saw what happened after that. And that was a huge, huge play in the game. Um, but, but again, it was a mixed bag. I mean, there were, there, you know, the, the big, the big plays were a problem. There were a lot of third and long situations where we we couldn't get off the field because some of you know the Mookie Coopers and the Theo Weeses were finding holes in our in our defense, um, and that was obviously frustrating. But but you know, like they do, the defensive guy, the defensive backfield also made some strong plays during the game. I know the the pain play. I, the, my initial reaction immediately to John sitting next to me was. We had the boundary right there. BJ's got the, he's got the sideline. Just force him out of bounds, but he slowed up almost like he was worried he was going to cut it back in and didn't use the sideline as that extra defender that he had. And and we know BJ Payne's fast and explosive, and that was a mistake, and uh, it cost them as they get into the end zone for the go ahead score. There, you know, the defense had a stretch. You know, it felt like 
and I thought this might be the case. Drinkowitz had this game circled. I thought they would come out and probably have some schemes drawn up, Missouri that is, that might hit K-State a little bit off guard early on. But I thought K-State's coaches would adjust in game and be able to out-coach him. You know, when you talk about coaches and having their first 15 plays scripted, right? Like, I kind of felt like that would be what Drinkowitz would be, and then Klanderman and Kleiman would adjust and just get to halftime, and they would adjust, and it felt like they did. I mean, there was a stretch where Missouri scored 10 points over eight drives. I mean, that's 1.3 points per drive. Uh, They gave the offense plenty of opportunities then to get right back into it. In fact, I think there was like a six-drive stretch where Missouri only had three points. They were coming up with stops and got K-State the ball back with less than four minutes left in the game with a chance to go win it, and they weren't able to do it. But maybe let's just talk about the elephant in the room as well, the the last minute, minute and a half, when Mizzou does get the ball back, Curry, and K-State played pretty soft. And I know that I told everybody around me, because I don't know how many people sitting around like study, like, you know, who's the other team's kicker, right? But this is what we do. So I was trying to tell everybody, I was like, they they got a kicker with a huge leg. Like you can, they get across the 50, they're going to try it. And I don't want to have to hope that a kicker misses a field goal. Just like you don't want to usually have to hope that a kicker, a college kicker is kicking a field goal for the win from shorter yardage as well, because of the, the pressure and you don't trust them. But I knew he had the leg to get it there. So I was disappointed that K-State was playing pretty soft and let them kind of matriculate the ball into field goal range. What isn't field goal range for most guys, but was for them. Same, same. I mean, I, I, I told you yesterday uh, when we were texting, and I was, I was saying this to the people I was sitting with. I, I, was, I said, we are playing a prevent defense when they have one of the best kickers in the country with probably the biggest leg in the country, and they just have to get across midfield. And, and there was plenty of time on the clock, and obviously the clock continues to stop after first downs under, under two minutes. Um, and, and, I mean, we, that entire drive, we, had, we were giving them 10 yards of cushion on the outside, and, and we're looking like we were just, we thought, okay, we, just don't, we can't let them score a touchdown. Um, and it did seem to me like we forgot or were unaware that, that, that their kicker is, is you know, maybe a draftable NFL kicker next, you know, next spring. And, 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 and I, you know, despite Eli Drinkwitz is, is maybe inability to manage the clock and him doing everything in his power to blow that one and send it to overtime. I kept saying, this isn't good guys. This isn't good. We're giving them five and 10 yards. We're giving them chunk plays. They're getting easy first down. But yet every time they got a little bit closer to midfield, our guys went back out and played 10 yards off. And, and so that was, that was incredibly frustrating for me. Um, you know, that, that, that just old school conservative approach just didn't, it didn't apply in that situation. And it's what cost us that a chance at overtime. I think even probably the most concerning thing to me, Curry, was when Mizzou had the ball at the 39 yard line before the delay of game and K-State came out and the defensive look they came out and was giving another 10 yard cushion plus, and I'm sitting there, there's six seconds and you're giving them the boundary they're just going to throw it out to the flat and take five more yards. And then we're talking about a 52-yard kick for a guy that was get, entered the game 10 of 14 on 50-yard field goals in his career. I mean, he hits a very accurate percentage from that distance. And so I, I know he'd been off to a little bit of a rough start to the year, but I, I was very shocked that K-State didn't tighten the coverage up. What I wanted to see is what I remember you remember the Vikings game and the playoffs a couple of years ago. It was the the heartbreaking game because Stephon Diggs ends up scoring oh, on the play. 
the Saints game. But the, what did the Saints do? I think they were in the boundary coverage, but they they still messed it up and Diggs broke free for the touchdown. But what they were trying to do is they knew the Vikings had no timeouts and they just were trying to force the ball. They were protecting the sideline, so they wanted him to throw it over the middle. I just wanted to see K-State literally put its corners right up on the line and put them face, force everything to the middle. And I think Drinkowitz and that team is poorly coached enough offensively that they would have completed the pass and not got out of bounds. You make the tackle and the clock runs out and you're going to overtime. That's what I wanted to see. And Brendan Mott knocks the pass down after that delay of game. Credit to him for doing it. But if he didn't, they're getting five yards and it's an even easier kick. So, And I mean, we and in the first half, I mean, Harrison Nevis missed, you know, he missed that 50 plus yarder and and it was it was very obvious from where we were sitting, um, you know, in that in that southeast end zone that, that there was more than enough leg on on that kick. And so it's not like his his leg strength was even, you know, a secret in that game. Um, and so that was that was incredibly frustrating for me. And now, obviously, as we've discussed, the, the you know, we didn't lose that game because of that last drive. We didn't lose that game, you know. Te- you know, technically we did, but in 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 you know reality, we didn't lose that game because Harrison Mevis hit a hit a sixty one yard field goal. We lost that game because we didn't capitalize on opportunities and we gave up too many big plays. Yeah, no, completely agree. They didn't didn't honestly even feel great going into overtime if he misses that kick the way K State had played. It's probably a coin flip because it, it's Drinkowitz versus Lyman. I'd still trust K State's coaches, even though there were some struggles there. But yeah. I, that that was a that was a tough one to swallow. And real quick, uh, before we throw to one final break and come back, just real quick to talk about UCF and looking ahead to Big Twelve play, we got to tell you about our friends at DraftKings. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can get five bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away. An instant winner, and DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for terms, eligibility, and responsible gaming and resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance, eligibility, and deposit restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Curry, as we look ahead, it's UCF on Saturday, Big 12 opener. And I think I'm curious for your thoughts on this because the only thing that really helped me get over Saturday and the frustrations on the drive back from Columbia home was we got to go through this last year, unfortunately, with Tulane. And we saw how the team rebounded and bounced back with a lot of these guys that are on this team. Now, you don't have Deuce Vaughn. You don't have Felix. And you, we, we know we, they've lost a lot of guys from that team, but there's still a lot of guys back. Coaching staff, very similar. So is that kind of your reaction as you look ahead now and everything still being on the table at the very least for the Big 12 championship? For sure. And, and I, I said that to somebody after the game. I said, well, we lost our, you know, we lost the third game of the year last season and last season turned out all right. Um, so, so certainly I think that's one way to look at it. And, and another way to look at it is, is, you know, we, we don't have Deuce Vaughn, um, who is sort of the great equalizer. And, and so who is going to be that guy on offense, who's going to step up and be sort of our go-to guy at big situations. Um, right now it, 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 that, that, that remains to be seen. And so, um, I, I am still very optimistic about the season and what, you know, what this team can do. But I think that there are some things, that, you know, some improvements that need to be made and some individuals who need to step up for, you know, last year's success to be repeated. Well, and I think I should have brought it up when we were talking about the offense, because I do think the one thing that Deuce could also do for you is he can bust a big one at any given point. And it feels like right now there's just without Keegan Johnson healthy, like it, it feels like you don't have that guy necessarily that can bust that big play to kind of get you that explosive in the run game like it, it i'll be honest curry i feel i feel grateful when i see k-state's running backs get three or four yards on a carry right now and it's a bummer to think that way but that when they grind out when they were grinding out three or four yards on a rush on saturday i was happy because that was better than what we saw most of the time yeah and and, and i i thought to you know there were several times where dj or trey sean um you know i, I can remember a couple of dj runs where he gets hit early and then he powers through for a few more yards. And so I start clapping, thinking, man, that was a heck of a run. Thinking we got a good five yard gain. And then I look up and it's second and eight or second and seven. And I'm like, man, we only got two or three yards there, but it felt like five or six. Um, and that was that was a common theme throughout the game was our like I said earlier, our running backs were getting contacted at the line of scrimmage, if not behind the line of scrimmage. And so they were having to fight for every single yard to to put us in a in a in a remotely uh, manageable situation and so yes that was incredibly frustrating for me and and, and I you know I'm, I'm with you I think uh, you know this team has a lot of good pieces but you know who is going to be that guy when in, in, in tight situations you know he's going to come up and make a big play and I just it, it's hard to say um, you know Trey Sean had some flashes on Saturday um, you know obviously he doesn't have the breakaway speed that the, the deuce that the deuce 
do, does or did in in in, in re, re, reference to K State. Um, but it just it just feels like you know we are going to be forced to go on your methodical six, eight, ten play drives, um, which are, which are harder to do in today's football games. Um, you need those big plays here and there, as you saw from Missouri Saturday. They didn't have to sustain drives because they had so many big plays. Yeah, and you have, you have to worry about penalties the longer drives go or mistakes or turning the ball over or fumble, ball batted up in the air. So many things can go wrong the longer a drive does go. Uh, you're exactly right. So, well, uh, I I hate to bring this up to you, Curry, but I, I thought about this earlier. Like, you were part of the 2014 team when you had a 1,000-yard-plus season, and Tyler Lockett did as well, and you went through a heartbreaking defeat in the non-con to Auburn, and I was at that game, and and there were some missed opportunities probably in that game, and you guys felt like you should have won it um, and outplayed Auburn in that game. Now, that was a top-10 team, and so I'm not comparing Missouri to Auburn necessarily, but how do you kind of just flush this and look ahead to everything being on the table because you guys did that in 2014 and you were right there at the end of the year playing to get to to win a big 12 championship so how do you flush it and just get these guys to move on and, and know the bigger picture is on the table yeah I, I mean in line in my mind and obviously i you know i may be a little bit biased but but you know saturday it felt like we should have won but you couldn't point to specific plays and saying points off the field points off the field points off the field it was just a game where it felt like we missed opportunities. In 2014 against Auburn, I mean, the, the best receiver in K-State history, in my opinion, draw, you know, had a, pounce, a pass bounce off his chest and, and fly up into the air for an easy pick. I don't think he's dropped a single – it's been years since he dropped a red zone target in the NFL. Um, and then we had a kicker who was otherwise pretty reliable in his K-State career, missed three field goals, all of which were, were relatively short field goals. And so we left that night feeling like, we really did just beat the heck out of the top 10 football team, but the scoreboard didn't show it. I didn't feel that same way Saturday. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, the, the beauty, you know, the beauty of college football and sports in general is that you have a tough loss like we did on Saturday and there's another opportunity a week away. Now, in 2014, after we got beat by Auburn, I think we had UTEP the following week. So it was a little bit easier for us to bounce back and to find that, to, to regain that success. But you know, the schedule is what it is. Um, we have a really good UCF team coming to town. Team's going to be fast, going to be well posted. You have an opportunity to set things right back on track. I mean, if you go if you go in and beat UCF on Saturday, you know, we're probably back in the top 25 and things are looking up again. Um, you know, again, the beauty of football, you got a quick opportunity to bounce back. And the beauty of non-con is, is, is a non-con loss really does not impact your your trajectory or your ceiling um you know so so i think there's you know you can you can throw that one to the side and say all right we're we're, we're tossing that one behind us and we're going to move forward and you're going to give the big 12 bits the uh the auburn comp's probably pretty terrible i can just tell you curry i had a lot of trouble going to sleep that night after that one uh i didn't have as much trouble after the mizzou game to be frank it just felt like you guys kicked the heck out of Auburn and and it really sucked that they got out of there with the win the way that it shook out although the comp makes a little bit of sense because Gus Malzahn was the head coach of that Auburn team and now he's coming to Manhattan here uh this UCF game just uh, I don't know how much you've had a chance to watch UCF but they know that John Rice Plumley, their quarterback's not going to play they do have another they brought in a backup quarterback transfer out of USF that's uh an experienced guy looked really good against Villanova last week 
They run kind of a unique system that not a lot of teams in the Big 12 run. They're going to run the heck out of the football. K-State's strength is defending the run so far, but we know Daniel Green isn't isn't going to be playing in this game, unfortunately, and you're going to be relying on a true freshman linebacker in Austin Romaine as Jake Clifton's also banged up. So what do you make of this matchup, maybe at a high level, Curry, uh, and then we'll wrap? Uh, it, it, it's one that, it, you know, it's, I feel like we should win, but I, but it's, it's a game that kind of concerns me. Um, Gus Malzahn is a good football coach. You know, he, he's, he's won a national championship. Um, and, and there's no question that central Florida always has talent. I mean, the state of, they pull almost all their team from the state of Florida. And we all know that Florida is just full of track stars. And so this is this is going to be a team with speed, you know, with team speed that we haven't seen yet this season. And so that concerns me. Um, I, you know, and, and, and I know that, that Timmy McClain is sort of a, I don't know if you want to call him a journeyman, but he's, you know, he's, he, he, he played at UCF or USF in 2021. And, and you know, he had yet he had modest stats, um, but he's a guy who's got dual threat capabilities. He threw for 320 yards on Saturday in a blowout. He ran for almost another 50. Um, you know, he's he's a guy who could who could give us fits. And, and in a game where you're losing your stud middle linebacker who's been around for a really long time and, and a leader on your defense and replacing him with a true freshman who's going to be tasked with, you know, keeping a, a, a dual threat quarterback in check, that gives me reason for concern. Um this is a good football team. I mean, they went on the road two weeks ago and beat a good Boise team in a close football game in a, in a tough environment. And so I think we're going to have to bring a, we're going to have to bring a, an A game on Saturday to come out with a victory. And we, we know they're going to be really fired up because this is their inaugural big 12 game. I mean, they're going to be out to prove themselves to the league fan base at Kansas state needs to be ready to go and bring an intimidating atmosphere to this. You can't be down in the dumps, you know, just because you lost the game in Missouri, it sucked, but Big 12 plays here now. You win this game, you get the bye, you desperately need, which usually you don't, you want the bye a little later in the year, but K State desperately needs that bye right now. Get Christian Duffy. He should hopefully play a little bit on Saturday, but get him back into the mix after that bye week. You know, get Keegan Johnson fully healthy, get Austin Romaine more reps, maybe get Jake Clifton back at the linebacker position as well. Get some guys healthy and Will Howard too you know, whatever injury he's battling. And then you got an Oklahoma State team in Stillwater that <laughs> it looks like a mess down there right now, Curry. Yeah, so absolutely. I uh, mean it's it this the schedule after this weekend sets up nicely. I mean I, I am not I am not opposed to an early by an early bye week. Um you go through a grueling camp, you get right into the season, inevitably you deal with injuries early on and, and, and an early bye week is a way for you to reset. I mean, I think, you know, I, I hate to always draw parallels between current teams and, and teams that I was a part of, but 2011, you know, we had a bye week in week two. Um, we came out and almost laid a giant egg against Eastern Kentucky, snuck out of there with a win, went right into a bye week in week two. And I remember, you know, as a, as a freshman thinking, this is terrible. I, I don't want to go back to a two, you know, to basically two weeks more of camp, but it ended up being a huge blessing in disguise for us because we really got things figured out over that that two week period. And then you beat Kent State and you go down to Miami and beat Miami, and then you have a 10 win season. Um, and so I am, you know, if we get through this game with a win, I think the schedule sets up for us nicely. Um, go to OP State, who's obviously way down. Go to Texas Tech, who was a preseason, you know, sort of darling of the of the Big Twelve media, but has has, has struggled in a lot of respects. 
And then you come home for TCU and Houston games that games that right now appear to be winnable football games. And and so, um, you know, again, it, it, you know, when you when you look ahead and, and think of what's still out there, it's easy to put that loss behind us. And I hope the guys and the coaching staff does just that. Uh, you, you go beat UCF. You look sharp. I think everybody then heads into the bye feeling good. Fans feel good. And you got a winnable game in Stillwater. And then you're talking about four and one and two and oh in Big 12 play um, and then going to Lubbock and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you go to Lubbock there, and if you can get that one after starting two and zero and get to three and zero, I mean, I I viewed the Texas Tech game as maybe K State's second toughest Big Twelve game this year, and I still think Tech's really good. I mean, I, the game they lost to Oregon, they very easily could have won in Lubbock. They're going to be fired up for that one, sold out already. Um, but yeah, I I'll feel much better once they can just get another win under the belt. I'm glad they're playing this weekend because I would hate to sit on that Missouri game. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a bye week right now. So, well, hey, uh, Curry, appreciate it as always. Anything new going over on going on over at Wildcat NIL for our listeners or any updates you want to provide there before we wrap? Yeah, I'll give a couple updates. Yeah. Um, so we just we just announced last week that we're going to be having we're going to be hosting a golf tournament at Colbert Hills on October nineteenth. Uh, that is that is Thursday before the TCU game. Um, it will be it, it, all the proceeds will go to the men's basketball team and their NIL. It'll be a, it's going to be a heck of a fun golf tournament. I'm um, assuming the weather holds up. Um, you know, good chance to get around the players, get around the coaches, um, play Colbert Hills, and, and and just have a ton of fun. I think you know if you're out there and and, and that Thursday is available and you want to support the basketball team and play some golf too, uh, this is a great opportunity. So uh, that's coming up. We're excited about that. Uh, we're getting ready to. Uh, to launch uh, Wildcat NIL debit cards, um, we we uh, we've partnered with Western National Bank. It's a bank up in Nebraska and the northern part of Kansas, uh, owned by a K Stater, and they approached us and they wanted to do a, a, a Wildcat NIL debit card. Um, and so we're going to come out with some really cool debit cards here over the next couple of weeks. One of them says "Family," one of them says "It's a great day to be a Wildcat," and one of them says "We got dudes and and cat script." Um, and so those are going to be on the market. And I think 10 cents of every, every swipe on those debit cards will go back to Wildcat and IO. Uh, so we're really, really excited about that. And then I, the third thing, uh, we, we recently uh, partnered with a couple of grain elevators in the state of Kansas, and we now accept gifts of grain. Um, and, and so so farmers um, in various parts of Kansas and hopefully soon all across Kansas can donate grain to Wildcat and IO. Um, which will then be immediately sold, and the proceeds will be uh, will will come into our organization and then benefit our student athletes. So, uh, really, really, you know, we're doing a lot of really interesting things right now. Uh, just trying to diversify our offerings and find different ways to drive revenue. And so we, uh, you know, we're excited about the three things that I just mentioned. Very, very cool. When is that? Uh, when's that golf tournament again, Curry? Because I think I might be uh, interested in that. I saw you guys yeah. send that out. Yeah, it's October nineteenth. Uh, Thursday, October nineteenth. It's uh, tea talk, tea, shotgun start will be nine or ten a.m. Um, but we're gonna have. I mean, it's it's gonna be a fun event. We we our title sponsor is Long MacArthur, Florida out of Salina, and and Ashley MacArthur is an incredible event planner. I I swear she has the entire event already planned. Um, you know, we're gonna have a DJ on hole one who's gonna be you know blasting some tunes, and I think we're gonna maybe allow each team to play a walk up song. Uh, we're going to have a hole-in-one prize or hole-in-one competitions. You'd be able to win a, a, a brand-new Mercedes-Benz if you hit a hole-in-one. Um, obviously, Coach Tang and his staff and the players are going to be out there mingling with everybody. 
And then after the fact, we'll have a live auction um, that will have some really cool, it will have some really cool items in it um, and, and, you know, allow for people to, to get some experiences that you're not otherwise, you know, that you're not otherwise able to receive and also benefit the men's basketball team along the way. So it's going to be a really, really fun event. Um, you know, if it's something that you can swing, it, yeah, I don't think you want to miss out on it. That sounds awesome. That sounds like one heck of a good time. We know how fun this basketball staff is, this team is, and uh, I would encourage everybody that can to participate in that. Plus, you just mentioned, I mean, get an early start on a football weekend in Manhattan can't be much more better than that. Get on, Go ahead and take a couple of days off work, You know, start your Manhattan on a Thursday, and then you got a big game against TCU that Saturday. Exactly. That, that, exactly. that sounds like the dream to me, Curry. I mean, I'm just yeah. going to disappear on my wife and leave her with the kids and uh, – you know, make up some excuse until she sees pictures of me on K-State social media on the golf course with Jerome Tang or something. Then uh, that's funny. Then I get then busted. You'll be, then you'll be in hot water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, it'll it'll be it'll be a great time. So. Yeah. No, that that sounds awesome. All the things you guys are doing over there. Go to catsnil.com and check out the website and all of the things you guys got going on. Check out the membership program to sign up as well to help support. Uh, Wildcat NIL. And uh, as always, we appreciate Curry for uh, jumping on the show with us each week. Curry, we'll talk to you again next week and hopefully talk about another K-State victory as they hope to start the year 1-0 in Big 12 play. Thanks, Curry. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.